Well, good morning, everybody. It is so good to see you. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike. It's an honor to have you here at North Star this morning. Are you glad to be here today? We are really glad to be have you here. Let's give the Lord a hand. Man, it's great to look out and see a full crowd. It looks awesome. It's been a long time coming, but thank you so much for being here. I pray you had a great Thanksgiving, great time with your family. I'm sure you ate a lot. I'm sure that you're feeling a little sick, but we're really glad you're here. So I want you to do me a favor. Let's go ahead and get ahead a little bit. Turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter nine. If you've got your North Star app, that's probably the easiest way to follow along. But we're gonna be in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter nine. We're gonna be in that over the next few weeks. And uh, the app will get you there. If you're new to North Star, all our notes are there. And that will help us as we work through. So quick question. How many of you are like your 80%, 75-80% ready for Christmas. Raise your hand. All right, raise your hand. How many of you would say, I hadn't even started yet. I don't even know what I'm gonna do. Yep. How many of y'all say, I'll be finishing on the 24th? Those are my people right there, right? And so, those are my people. So, we're gonna do a little checklist. We all have a checklist for Christmas. So, I'm gonna read items off the checklist. If these are true of you, all you've gotta do is say yes. All right, that's all you gotta do is just say yes, and you say it out loud. Crowd participation is required, all right? And so, here's a few things on our checklist. Part of Christmas... Part of the Christmas checklist is we've got to put up a tree. Okay. How many of you, the pumpkins were on the porch when the tree was going up? With any of y'all, that's true? Y'all have really screwed up the holidays. But anyway, so, so, and in our house, if you're around North Star, you know this, we don't have a Christmas tree. We have Christmas Trees, plural, right? It's like a Christmas farm. All right, it's a Christmas winter wonderland, so you're welcome to come over anytime. Okay, part of Christmas checklist is getting out the ornaments. Okay, then decorating the house. Buying and ordering gifts. Okay, so used to be everybody went to the mall. How many of you now have your own private UPS Amazon Prime driver that just comes to your house? You know what I'm talking about. Like they visit all the time. They're on our Christmas list, right? And so they are, they are so, they, they, they know all about the Lynch family. Um, you got to get out the lights, okay? You watch your favorite Christmas movie, all right? like Christmas classic, not like Christmas movie, Christmas classics, like old-timey, Elf, Christmas Vacation. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Those are, how many of y'all have a cousin Eddie in your family? Just say yes. Yes, okay. Then, If you don't have one in your family, everybody look at me, you might be cousin Eddie, all right? And so I'm just telling, on behalf of your family, I'm letting you know. Um, How many of y'all get your wish list from people? Yes. If, if nobody's gotten a wish list and you're in your fa- that family, I'm very sorry. You're going to get what you get, all right? There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, how many of y'all, part of Christmas, and I hate to admit this, but you know Christmas is there when the Hallmark movies start. So let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. We need an intervention, okay? So I, I, these are on all, like, ad nauseum at the house, okay? Ad nauseum. 
I think we're a Nielsen family, I think. I don't know what's going on. But here are just some titles of movies this year, right off their website. <laughs> Unexpected Christmas. It really isn't unexpected. But anyway, that's the title. It's, yeah, Hallmark movies are like soap operas. You can leave at any point, come back. They're all the same, all right? But anyway, so, A Kiss Before Christmas. <laughs> Bless him, all right? Um, I'm sure he's handsome. I'm sure she's pretty. And they just happen to run each other at the Christmas farm. But anyway, so A Kiss Before Christmas. Nantucket Noel. Sounds intriguing. I hate, I hate to miss that. My Family Christmas Tree, A Christmas Treasure. Now, this one gets you a gingerbread miracle. All right, thank you, Lord, for the gingerbread miracle. So these are all fine. These are happening. But there's a point you come to. You just got to put your foot down. And I'm going to have to talk to Ann because this is a title of one of the new Christmas movies. I don't know if it's out yet. The Nine Kittens of Christmas. All right, and so that's the, okay, enough is enough. You're like, Mike, what does that have to do with today? Nothing. But anyway, so I just thought we needed to bring it up. So we all have our Christmas checklist. God had one too. When he laid out the very first Christmas, it didn't just happen. Jesus didn't just show up in Bethlehem. There was a list of things that were to happen long before he got there. Wasn't a surprise. It wasn't just happenstance. No, he laid it out. In fact, he told Isaiah to write it down. So these words that we're gonna read were plans that God had for the Christmas we understand now. Would y'all stand with me today in honor of reading God's word together? So let me set the scene. People are wandering in spiritual darkness. So when you're in darkness, you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. You don't know how to handle things. People at this point in the journey, they're wandering in spiritual darkness. They don't, they don't know where to go. And when you're in darkness for any length of time, it starts feeling hopeless. Physical darkness feels hopeless. Spiritual darkness, it, it is almost overwhelming. Listen to what Isaiah, the prophet, seven, get this, 700 years before Christ came, he wrote these words. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. All right, time out. When you have darkness, you have despair because you're hopeless. The land of Zebulon and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when the Galilee, when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. So he names a spot on the map, not just my son is gonna come. Let me tell you where he's gonna come to. And we know, we learn later, it's a little town called Bethlehem. But when you heard this back then, you're like, he's gonna do what, where? He's gonna do what, how? How's that gonna happen? Look at what he goes on to say. The people who walk in darkness will see a great what? Listen, you're in darkness for any length of time. Light is the most beautiful thing you'll ever see because it's hope. It's like, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna make it through this. 
For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light's gonna shine. Then he tells us in verse six, for a child will be born to who? So this, it's really interesting how the writer, Isaiah, the prophet, phrased it. This child's gonna be born to us. It's talking about the humanity of Jesus. He's gonna look like me and you. That's what he's saying. He's gonna be born to us. Huge. A son is given to us, and that's the divinity of Jesus. This, this God said, I'm gonna send my son to be born to you and me. And then he tells us about him. The government's gonna rest on his shoulders. Not the political system, but all of it. He didn't come to be a political power. He didn't come to register you as a, a this or a that or the other. No, 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 no. He is bigger than all that. And listen to what he said. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Today, we're gonna unpack how big Big, that statement is huge. We've heard it our entire lives. Even if you didn't go to church, you've heard this somewhere on a commercial, on somebody preaching on TV. Let me tell you something. This phrase, wonderful counselor, has got your and my names all over it. And that's what we're gonna talk about. Would you pray with me? Father, you had a Christmas checklist. All the things that had to happen to make the birth in Bethlehem happen. God, our names are all through that story. Our, our stories are etched into his story. Father, my bold prayer this morning is this, is that that wonderful counselor won't be just a title that we've read. It will be a person that we've met. And that person will change our lives forever. So speak to us, change us, walk with us, and do your work in our lives. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, turn around and introduce yourself to two or three people around you, then you can have a seat. Wonderful counselor. It's a great, it's a great phrase. See, here's what it means. Let me give you a little background. If you were to describe what wonderful counselor means, it means more mighty, more awesome than you could ever put into words. Most awesome, awesomest. Exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. There are no words to put into why he is so mighty. Counselor, what's the big deal? When do we need counsel? We need counsel when we're in trouble. We need counsel for guidance. We need counsel for wisdom. When I call a counselor, and I've been to counseling, when I call a counselor, I'm not calling them to tell them how good my life is. I'm calling to get some perspective on life, right? I am in the middle. See, I've learned this about. I, I'm good at helping you, I'm terrible at helping me, right? And so I've learned that about life. Any advice I give you that's wise, anything I tell myself is probably stupid. And so I just kind of go in circles. That's why we go, Daniel on our staff does tons of pastoral counseling. They come in and they sit with him and he listens to their stories and he gives them perspective and he gives them wisdom. He is not just a counselor, he is a what kind of counselor? What's it say? 
that was brutal. All right, and so what kind of counselor is he? He's wonderful. He's the most awesome awesomeness counselor. Why would that be true? What makes him different than everybody else? Well, the writer of Hebrews tells us. Over in the New Testament, the writer, we don't even know who it is, he said this, I don't even want you to look. I just want you to look at the screens. I want you to get this. Hebrews 4, he said, so then, since we have what kind of high priest? What does it say? A great high priest. See, a high priest would represent you, right? So when you, back during this time in the, in the Jewish system, the way it worked, the religious system, a high priest would go on your behalf with your stuff to the Lord. That's what the high priest would do. He would represent you before the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says he's not a high priest. He is a great high priest. See, the high priest would represent all their people. Whether they really knew them or not, they would represent them. But this one's a great high priest, and he tells us why. Who's entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Then he tells us the what of this high priest. This high priest of ours, this is so good. We could just sit in this all day. This high priest of ours, he understands our what? What's he say there? How many of y'all have weaknesses? How many of y'all have so many weaknesses? It's like big time plural, right? And so like weaknesses, all right, we got lots of them. He understands our weaknesses. Just think about this. He's not a God who sits out there and judges us. No, he's put on skin and he knows us. He, he's a great high priest because he understands our weaknesses. He knows why we don't get it. He knows why we don't understand. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. So he's not a counselor that you, everybody look up. He's not a counselor you go to his office and go, here's what I'm feeling, here's what I'm going through. And they have zero idea why you feel that. They have no idea why you question that. They have no understanding of why you are like you are. No, no, they've been in the, they've been in the moment that you're in. They've been there. So I'll tell you, a dark day in my life, in my college years, I sat in a bullpen in Lynchburg, Virginia in 1990 when a coach told me that the career that I thought that I had sort of built my little identity around was over. And he said, you're, you're not gonna play anymore. And so basically is where the conversation went. You keep your scholarship, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna factor into this team. Awful news. It was terrible. But here's what made it palatable. This is what he said next. I just thought about it between services. He said, Mike, in 1985, I had the same conversation with my coach. I know what you're feeling. Did it make the news any better? No, but I knew he understood all my emotions. And see, here's the difference between parenting and 2021 parenting. And this is 1990. I called home and I'm pouring my heart out to my dad. I'm like, dad, this is awful. I'm not going to be on the team anymore. They're taking my jersey and blah, blah, blah. I was whining and crying and doing all this, that, and the other. And, and uh, I said, I, so my dad's like, wow, man, that sounds terrible. <laughs> I'm like, uh, 
okay? And so he's like, well, what were your options? He said, well, I could turn in my jersey and help him in the bullpen, or I can keep my jersey and be a cancer in the bullpen all season and whine about why I'm not playing. So they gave me an option. My dad said, well, that's good. You got options. I was like, well, you're not gonna come talk to the coach? He's like, well, I don't play there. All right, and so I was like, okay, this is not helpful. All right, and so this coach, he got it. He'd been there. He understood. He faced all the same testings we do, yet he didn't sin. So let's come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Therefore, we'll receive mercy. There we'll receive mercy and we'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Three things, super easy this morning. Here's what I want you to know. This is so easy to remember. Number one, he gets it. He gets it. What makes him a wonderful counselor? He gets it. He gets it. He gets it. You don't ever go to him and him go, I, I'm not familiar with what you're talking about. No, 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 he gets it. Not only does he get it, I, I wrote this down to remember it in my notes, he gets me. He gets me. My goods, my bads, my ups, my downs. He gets me. He gets it. This is, this is a powerful statement. This high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses. If you're typing in your phone or you're writing notes, he doesn't just know our weaknesses. He understands our weaknesses. Why? Because he was one of us. Let me tell you how the Christmas story could have been told. Christmas story could have been told from a distance. This is what I think man should do. And this is the way I think man should react. Man is living down here. I'm from up here. And I'm telling you, he didn't do it that way, though. He's a wonderful counselor because he stepped into the story and he understands our weaknesses. We all have weaknesses. We have things that happen. We have things we cause to happen. And he gets them. And you can go to God at your very worst. I'm talking, everybody look at me. Like when you're at wit's end and you don't have anything good to say to God, it's all bad and you are just pouring out your heart. God never looks at you and goes, why are you like that? Why don't you just trust me? Never, he never does that. He understands our weaknesses. I don't care how good a counselor is, there are things that get brought to you in counseling you can't identify with. He identifies with all of them. He understands our weaknesses. Look at me, he gets me. He gets me. Not the part of you, I show you, I show you all the good stuff. I'm talking about the bad part of me, he gets it. And there's just something about somebody that gets you that's wonderful. So it, I'll say it like this. So in this church, two of my college roommates go to this church, and one of my best friends since second grade goes to this church. They get me. They knew me when I was stupid and didn't care I was stupid. You know what I'm talking about? They get you, and they know that they like you anyways. They get you. He goes even further. He knew me before I was even born. He gets me. 
and he gets you. If your view of God is he's some this distant creature that's out there in space who is vaguely familiar with who you are, you've missed it. He's a wonderful counselor because he gets it. Number two, he's a wonderful counselor. Not even because he gets it. He's a wonderful counselor because he knows best. See, Isaiah tells us in Isaiah 53, all the things he endured. He took my sin and my shame and my stuff so he could get me. But not does he get me, he knows best. He knows best. I am 100% in favor of counseling. I think it's the greatest thing ever. Here's the problem. The counselor has the same view of time you do. That's the, that's the hard part, is they, they're living life in real time like you're living in real time. So let me ask you this question. Answer this yes or no. Do you believe that before you were born, God knew the day you were being born, yes or no? I think scripture teaches that. How many of you would agree that when your time comes, that you leave this earth, God already knows when that time's gonna be, okay? So scripture says all those days are written in a book before one of them ever came to be. Don't you think about this? I don't wanna peek in that book. <laughs> I don't wanna know. I don't wanna know when that is. But he knows. Before you were born, he existed. After you were gone, he will exist. Scripture calls it, in Revelation, it's called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. We live, and I want you to write this little phrase down. We're going to unpack it. We live in the messy middle, right? That's where we live. We live in the messy middle where it doesn't make sense, and it's convoluted, and it's hurt, and it's pain, and it's weakness, and it's strife, and it's death, and it's all the things we live in the messy middle He sees it all. So whatever perspective he gives me, he knows the beginning of my life and he knows the end of my life and he knows what's coming after I'm gone. He already gets it. He knows best. He knows what nobody else can teach you. He already knows it. In fact, he's got it in the palm of his hand. I remember the night, it was a Saturday night service. Years ago, I tied this yellow rope and I tied it from that pole over there to this pole over here, and I said, this rope represents eternity, and I took a little pin, and I scratched a little piece in the middle, and I said, that's our life in the view of eternity. So when God puts his hand on your shoulder as your wonderful counselor and goes, you're going to be okay, he knows you're going to be okay. Why? He's seen the beginning, and he's seen the end. He knows you're going to be okay. Look, Look at what Scripture says. This is really good. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace, of our gracious God, there we'll receive mercy, and this is so good, and we will find grace to do what? What's the next phrase? What is it? Help us. There's gonna be a point in your journey, you're gonna get to the end of yourself, and nobody can help you but Jesus. In a few weeks, we're gonna gather up the hill for our holiday service for those that have lost loved ones. Some of them are gonna need help from Jesus to get through this season they've never needed help from before. And he'll be there to help them right when they need it. How does he do this? Couple things, ready? He guides us through scripture. He guides us through scripture. He leaves us his word to guide our lives. 
His spirit guides us. Mike, I want to know Jesus in 2022. Then you need to open God's word. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to grow in it. He guides us through his, spirit, his, his scripture. He guides us through his spirit. We talked about this in our Birth of a Movement Live Sense series. The Holy Spirit left heaven and it takes up all the believers' hearts. The Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives and he guides us according to truth. And the Holy Spirit's with us all the time. He convicts us when we're doing something wrong. You know, you maybe we got a lot of college students in the service. You may have grown up in church and you went away to, to do your thing in college and your mom and dad aren't there. Nobody's there to check on you. And you may have gotten into stuff you don't need to be doing. And all of a sudden you feel this conviction. And it's nobody. It's the Holy Spirit. Just going, it's not for you. You're better than this. It's conviction. But not only does he convicts us, he confirms for us, the right choice, it gives us peace. Talk to a good buddy of mine between services going through a job change right now. He confirms for us in our spirit we're making the right call and he conforms us to his word and he changes us. The world's trying to push us into a mold, but yet God by his word pushes us into a mold. And I want you to write out beside it to look like Jesus. He's a wonderful counselor because he knows best, and he guides us through his servants. And I want you to remember the people that God puts around you. My God didn't put any people around me, then you're missing part of the growth you could have. If you're not in a small group, I'll say this, if you're not in a small group, you are missing one of the ways that God can speak to you most. And we've got small groups from Middle school, elementary, through older adults. We got everything you can imagine. Singles, college, couples, men's, women's. We got everything. Why? Why? Because we need people around us that encourage us. And maybe I learn, not from a message you hear on Sunday, but from somebody that sat in a group that God brought them through a season. And you're like, that was for me. They shared something that was for me. Works through his servants. He knows best. I want you to write this down. And maybe this is for somebody here. You can trust him. You can trust him. Don't put your trust in me, please. Put your trust in him. You can trust him. And number three, I love this. He's always available. He's always available. You don't ever bother God. So I, I raised two kids, 27, 24. Love them with all my heart. I mean, I love them. To this day, love them. Love them. With an earthly love. Were there ever times they bothered us? Yes, all right, there were times they drove us. Can I get an amen from parents? All right, and I'm just being honest, all right? They, they bothered us. You never bother God. You never catch God on a bad day. The other morning, I got a good friend in here. We we're going out to grab breakfast, couldn't find anything open. We're like, well, let's just run to Waffle House. It's always open. Waffle House was closed 
God, Jesus must be coming back. I don't know what's happening. Waffle is always open. He's never closed for business. You don't get out of office reminders from Jesus. You don't get, somebody else is having a bad day. You need to find your place in line. The things that you talk about that drive other people crazy, that are your worries and fears and doubts, he wants all of them and they're never a bother. He's never closed. Why is he a wonderful counselor? Because he's gonna give me grace when I need it most. When we're all out of options, We've tried everything else. We turn to him and say, Jesus, I need you. And he's there. I would say, well, you should have turned to me earlier. What'd you wait on? Why'd you waste your time? It's not what he does. Come on. I got you. Wonderful. Can I ask you a question today? Is he wonderful to you? Do you know about him? Or do you know him? Would you pray with me? I'm gonna say a phrase and I'd love for you to repeat this phrase out loud with me. Like a talking prayer to the Lord that we all engage in. Thank you, Jesus. Would you say that? For not just being, help me out, for not just being a counselor, but a wonderful counselor. Thanks for not letting me bother you. Would you repeat that? Thanks for never being away. And thanks for always having what I needed right when I needed it. Would you just let the Lord talk to you? Would you? Father, it's hard to live in the messy middle. It's hard when you don't know if there's a period, a comma, or you don't know what's coming next. Is the story over? Is the story continuing? We don't know. We know who one who knows. Father, it's hard when we don't see what you see. It's hard when we don't know what you know. You know that. Because you put skin on so you can understand it. You put skin on, that's what caused you to cry out, my God, my God, why? Why have you turned your back on me? You get it.
Father, those wounds you received, they weren't yours, they weren't for me. You went to incredible lengths to get us. God, may we know the one who came to get us. And may it change our perspective of who you are forever. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said,